You're like, and then Freddy shows up and says, kill for me. Kill so, for me or whatever. I'm picturing Freddy saying that. His actual voice is, kill for me. But you're like, kill for me. Kill for me. Please. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> well, maybe you should narrate Freddy's parts. No. I'm not going to sound that menacing. No, you should do it. I don't know if I can. Let's see it. Hear I think it. I'm going to need Let's more alcohol. It. Say it again. Do it again. I can't. I'm just going to laugh. <laughs> Come on, say it. I am trying. <laughs> I can't look at you. It goes, kill for me. <laughs> It's the best I can do. Let's <laughs> try not to laugh while saying it. Welcome back to the Shaking Not Scared podcast. Here with you as always, your host, Eric and Vivi. Today, we're going to be talking about the 1985 film, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, directed by Jack Shoulder. But before we get into that, how are you, Vivi? I am pretty excited. Why? Because we're in October. Yay! Finally, the beginning of Slasher Month. Covering the sequels of all the slashers that we covered. Back when we weren't good at this, if you could say we're any better. I mean, <laughs> our quality is probably a little better. We were super awkward in our first few episodes. It's like we didn't know who the other was. And I still don't know who you are. Who are oh, you? Oh, glad we're married. <laughs> True to not learning from our mistakes... We almost filmed this at midnight, like we did the original Nightmare on Elm. You're saying that like it stopped us from actually recording something else. We we recorded something else. It, it was fun. Oh, we still yes. stayed up till like 3 a.m. We did anyways. <laughs> yeah, that was not a smart choice. How are you? I'm okay. It's finally cold. I love this I weather. I'm not dying of heat stroke at all times. All the fall activities are starting up again. I also put on my Michael Myers suit. That was oh, the big did. surprise that... If anybody saw it, we were on TikTok and made me drinking coffee, me walking low-key, me riding a bike. So keep an eye out for those. Dressed as Michael Byers, to be clear. Yeah. He's not just doing those things <laughs> normally. Yeah, I've got a couple of other ones in the works, so it's going to be fun this month. You? I am dealing with the existential dread of having turned 28. Mm. And happy birthday to Junior, my little brother, at the time of this episode. He doesn't listen, but happy birthday anyways. Happy birthday. We video called him. He looked like he had a grand old time. Oh, had yeah. Had some red velvet cake that looked good. He's super expressive. But do you want to dive into... Creepy content then? What do you got? We've been watching a lot of movies. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted to, in general watch more Latinx, Latin, Hispanic Hispanic. Heritage (laughs) Month films. We watched Luciferina on Mm -hmm. Shudder. What an annoying name to say. (laughs) Yeah, and it's one of a trilogy. The other ones are Maculata and Gotica or something like that. Something like that. This was the first of three. It was interesting. You want to say what you thought about it? We watched this together. We watched a two-hour movie just to see a lady take the demonado guy with her prayers sexually. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> if that review makes sense it started off fine but then oh, it just yeah. got weird exactly it did have like good potential i told you like there's a storyline here that could really work i would like it but then that last scene is just like what happened <laughs> it's like okay spoiler alert this director just wanted to make a porno but landed a horror movie instead they were religious and loved sex and were like you know what would be hot if we make a movie that's basically a reenactment of adam and eve and make that the last half hour of the movie Yes, except (laughs) if Adam was a demon. Right. This movie was interesting up until that point. That scene was very bizarre. It lasted way too long, and I think it overpowers the rest of what the movie did. I don't know enough about religion, but in the comments, people were saying that it was supposed to be a reenactment of a lot of, like, Christian or Catholic imagery, and I was like, I don't know what this is supposed to be reenacting. It's like Adam and Eve and the serpent, but is that the extent of it? (laughs) I don't know. I really don't. The themes contradict themselves quite a bit. 
because it seems throughout the entire film to be like an anti-abortion film that ends with a very pornographic sex scene like what and then with the girl pregnant keeping a demon baby yeah suddenly there are two others like her yes with no allusion to that the entire movie spoiler alert yeah if you haven't (laughs) seen it i think it's been on shutter for a few years now but it's not like we're against sex no i'll I'll watch a 30 minute sex scene i'm just saying (laughs) which is what this was (laughs) for the last 30 minutes make it make sense make it make sense (laughs) what i'm saying is i watch porn for the plot okay That's basically what this director said (laughs) while making this movie. And then I watched another film on Shudder. What I like about them a lot is I feel like they feature horror from not just American directors. It's horror all over the world. So they did a like spotlight on the Hispanic heritage films. And one of them was Luz, the Flower of Evil. It's a cult movie. Basically, this man has led this group of people into the mountains, the woods. Kind of reminded me of The Witch a little bit. It had themes very similar. The male protagonist is the reason they're all out there and they're all kind of losing faith and things are going wrong with them. The scenes are very beautiful. I will say this film needed more plot to keep you interested because there was a lot of like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Oh, it's over for me personally. It seems to be our review for a lot of things lately. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm just dumb. God, I I need to figure out. (laughs) Not just you. To be fair, you're probably more observant than I am. So if you're not catching it, I'm definitely not. No, I think you notice more of the funny things. And I'm trying to think of like, what does this mean? What is the symbolism? Well, I don't know. But the guy is like, God sent this man and he's the Messiah. And it's like a blue eyed, blonde haired kid. Tied him up with a chain. And he's like, he's here to save us. My first question would be, why did you chain him then? Yeah. Why are they not (laughs) allowing him to do anything? It's not bad. I think it could have used a little more meat to the story. Do you think it's like a gap? Although we are Hispanic, Mexican culture versus other cultures of the South America and Latin America are different. What I've been noticing is they all deal with themes of religion, which is tied to Hispanic culture a lot. I was going to say, you can't say that it's not like a very prominent piece of who Hispanics are. Yeah. So those have been okay. You know, I want more. (laughs) (laughs) You want more religion? No, I want more Hispanic films before I start making assumptions Assumptions. about the themes in them. Gotcha. But... Do we talk about the cocktail that you made? Yes, it's Freddy's face. What do we call it? That? Freddy's face. <laughs> yeah, so it's a daiquiri style drink. It's got a frozen peaches, lime juice. It's got white rum and it's also got dark rum. Equal parts of that. In order to get the Freddy's face effect, I put in cut up strawberries so it makes the same pattern as Freddy's fucked up face. <laughs> yes. Your words, not mine. Do <laughs> you want to try it? Yeah, I'm excited to try it. Cheers. I can't even get any. Is yours too thick? It's too thick. She did. The serving size I made was for like four people. (laughs) So we'll see how this goes. What do you rate it? It's good. I think it probably could have used a little simple syrup because. Mm, See, it was supposed to say grenadine and then you said don't do it. Well, because I don't like grenadine that much, but it's good. I don't know if I love peaches in general. Really? Yeah, they're okay. It's tart. So if you would like it maybe on the sweeter side, add simple syrup. I would give it three. Okay. I would give it. A three. Daiquiris aren't exactly my style. I just thought this would be cool because of the Freddy look. I had this drink in my mind before mm-hmm. I even watched the movie. There's so many Nightmare on Elm films that we could do quite a few drinks. Yeah. Awesome. Cheers. You're the one who's in charge, right? Of the fun facts today? Yes. Yeah. A lot of these fun facts I found from Screen Rant. Robert England wasn't originally going to come back to reprise his role as Freddy. Allegedly, his agent was asking for way too much money for him to return to the role. They decided that it wasn't that important to bring him back since he was just the man in the mask and they could easily replace him with somebody else. 
So they decided that they would replace him with a stunt double who reportedly did so badly and was walking around like Frankenstein that they had to call Robert back. <laughs> what? Yeah, I feel like he plays him in a way that's very iconic. Even if you've just seen the first film. Yeah, because I was watching it thinking that this Freddy feels very different from the first one. And there's a reason. Okay. We can get into it. The director of the second film, Shoulders. <laughs> Jack Shoulder. Strong like, Shoulder. Sounds like an action movie guy. I know. <laughs> was actually not a big fan of the first Nightmare on Elm Street film. Why even direct the next one then? That is a great question. I hated the first one. Let me do a better job. I mean, <laughs> did he though? I'm not saying he did. I'm saying that I he I mean, we'll get to our opinions on <laughs> yeah. that. He claimed in the documentary Never Sleep Again that he wasn't a fan of the original and he didn't feel like he needed to follow the template that Craven created. Wes Craven's Nightmare on Elm Street, not by Wes Craven, without the Wes Craven material, because fuck Wes Craven. <laughs> Basically. That's what this sounds like. Yeah, I don't know why you would just agree to direct a film that you're not a fan of. Could be that at the time... They viewed horror movies as just like a quick cash grab. And he's like, I'm just going to do it. And it doesn't matter. I'll do one more lighthearted one. I thought you would appreciate this one because you kept saying this the entire movie. Kim Meyer was cast because she looked like Meryl Streep. Oh my God, she did. <laughs> I, when she first popped up, I was like, how old is Meryl Streep? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the first thing I thought too when I, I saw her. I started doing the math, like the lady with the math problems. I was in the like air. 85, she would have been what, maybe in her late, 20s. late teens, early 20s. 40 years later, I guess that could line up. I was like, how old is Meryl Streep though? Isn't she in her 70s, 80s? It's not too impossible. impossible yeah. She was allegedly cast because Meryl Streep at this time had gone on to be nominated for two Academy Awards and won. So she was kind of like... A big deal. A big deal in the 80s. She's still a big deal. Oh yeah, she'll always be a big deal. <laughs> She's the lady from the Divorce product. That's the one that I'm like, oh man, I love her so much in that movie. I like her in Mamma Mia, which is just like probably a category that people don't even think about, but I love that movie. <laughs> okay, let's talk about... This film and the elephant in the room. This film very obviously has homoerotic subtext. And according to the screenwriter, that was purposely included. So if someone were to watch this movie and say, it's not gay, why are you thinking like that? No, they literally wrote it to be gay. <laughs> Let's talk about the time that this movie was released and the reception of the film due to its themes. Mm -hmm. Freddy's Revenge is considered one of the gayest horror movies of the decade. In the documentary Never Sleeps Again, it is revealed that the screenwriter did actually write the homoerotic subtext, but he didn't intend for it to be so obvious. And then looking back on some of the scenes, he was kind of like, how could I miss how obvious that was? Especially the scene where the gym teacher gets whipped in the shower. The actor who plays Jesse actually went on to produce his own documentary called Scream Queen. He is a self proclaimed scream queen of mm. the genre i agree i agree we definitely should have watched that before recording because you did mention to me that he kind of had a downfall in hollywood after portraying this character is that true i would merit that knowledge to the nightmare on fear street i know of a couple of other actors who've had to deal with this for example the blue ranger from the power rangers original series he was like my favorite character and he's an openly gay actor but he also had a lot of hard times behind the scenes I think it has a lot to do with the time. 1985 was the midst of the AIDS epidemic. There was a lot of just negative connotations like there's always been around being gay. But yeah, those are the fun 
facts or kind of depressing facts. You had me on a high and then you brought me real I brought low. you low. Yeah. yeah. Now hype me back up with this speed run because you're going to lose. Oh man, I feel like I've been talking forever. All right, ready? Yes. Go. Okay, so we open on this kid having a nightmare where he's on this bus and it is driven by Freddy. Uh, he gets killed in the dream and he wakes up and he has moved into Nancy's house. This is five years later. He keeps mentioning that he's having, having these strange dreams. Uh, he has a girlfriend, but he's also got, like, a interesting budding relationship with this um, dude in his gym class. Oh, you going to say friend. Freddy. No. Um, essentially, the theme of this film is that Freddy is trying to possess Jesse, and it's very different from the Freddy we see in the first film. It's, like, scenes of him possessing his body, telling him what to do, telling him who to kill, and, and things like that. It's literally that until he is making out with his girlfriend and she has to tell him to fight it. And they go, for some reason, to the boiler room to fight it. And her telling, I love you, gets rid of the possession and he's no longer possessed by Freddy. Does that count? You, you beat it, but you didn't say the end. I mean, I don't know. Does it count? You resolved the summary. I... So I would say that. Kind of counts. It counts because at the beginning, it ends how it starts. <laughs> yeah. I also interrupted a little bit. You did. Because you said he has a budding relationship with, and you paused for a second. I was waiting for you to say Freddy. Yeah. He does have a budding relationship. He literally A very special. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a very special relationship. He sprouts out of him, lays his roots. It's actually really good. Is there anything you want to say before we get started? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do this. I figured I'd leave it from my notes, but when I saw that the title's called Freddy's Revenge, I started out this movie like, Revenge Against Who? <laughs> This isn't even the same kid. Nancy, Nancy isn't even the main character. But then within the first 15 minutes, you realize that it's the same house. Apparently Nancy's actress wasn't called back for the sequel, but she did the third one, which I'm excited to see because I feel like Dream Warriors is the one that gets talked about so much. Cool. Let's crack into it. All right. We are back in suburbia. It's an 80s start to a movie where kids are getting on a school bus. The drama is visible on everyone's face. I thought they were getting on, but everyone's getting off and you can see <laughs> Jesse is in the back and he seems very timid. He's got a comb over and he's, you know, they always say that with body language, when you're closed off, your body language will also compress. I have he's sitting that. like that. He's the last one along with these other two girls. They are Take a left turn into the <laughs> desert. Out of nowhere. <laughs> Where do you live where there is now just desert? Is it California? Is that where I thought the desert was just Freddy's trick on them. I mean, it's a dream. And yes, you do have dreams like that where you start in like your normal life and then it's like crazy. The ocean? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> or the desert. There's a point where the girls are laughing at him and his first reaction is to start trying to open the window, but the window's locked. This is way before he even knows that Freddy's the driver. I was like, what's he going to do? Jump out? <laughs> well, this is awkward for me. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. uh, don't blame don't, the kid. Don't miss bus rides in school. One time this creep, like I didn't even know him that well. He got on the bus. I guess he was running because he had to catch the bus. And he just like landed on top of me. Oh. Was it on purpose? I think it was. I think it was a long game. I'm now married to him. so. Yeah, this was my plan all along. Everyone knows those are the rules of courtship. When you land on someone, you are now married. <laughs> yeah, I noted that this scene where they're veering off into the desert is very Beetlejuice vibes. That like dreamy sequence. I think that's always going to happen though with this character. This Freddy I thought was a lot scarier than the first one where Freddy almost seems comical. This one definitely had a different vibe to him. He's a lot more stiff 
subdued brooding he says a lot of cool catchphrases but even for him to have taken over the dreams of the birds i was like oh my god i never even thought of that that he could do this yeah but he's a lot scarier than this i'd say you think so i disagree we should debate it at the end okay okay Okay. (laughs) i don't feel like this is freddy but we could debate it at the end okay as the bus is wandering the desert they stop what would you call this when this happens? Sinkhole? Sinkhole. Oh, there, yes. Appears, and the bus is literally teetering on, like, one pillar. The driver's revealed to be Freddy. He's coming after the kids. The kids, although afraid, are smart enough to be like, we gotta keep the bus balanced as he's slashing at them. And then Jesse wakes up. With a tomato slice. It is the home that Nancy had lived in five years earlier. Did you notice their breakfast? It was a hearty breakfast of tomatoes and racist cereal. I thought they were just making sandwiches, but there was no bread in sight. I think later... Salad. Here you go. Just tomato. (laughs) The mom serves like one egg to the dad, but like the kids don't eat anything. So I'm like, it's just (laughs) egg and tomato. Maybe the budget wasn't in there for the food. Enough to get that one tomato slice in the beginning. (laughs) Jesse does wake up. His room is really messy. There's boxes everywhere. We get the impression that they have just moved and he is unpacking. As always, with every horror movie. Somehow threw in the haunted house element in a slasher. He runs downstairs though and there are discussions amongst the parents that something's been going on it seems like it's hot as fuck because when jesse wakes up he's sweating this is me every day it is are you being haunted yeah every day i told you i have nightmares i dream about things i wake up sweaty sometimes my clothes isn't even on huh (laughs) you might not be okay the mom is saying that the ac is broken and the dad's like nah it just needs a little bit of freon meanwhile they're literally dying of heat stroke jesse tries to say no it's not that but the dad's an asshole. I feel like from the first, there is this theme of incompetent adults, and he kind of fits that. He does treat Jesse hostile for no freaking reason. Mm-mm. Yeah, the sister's eating Fu Manchu cereal, which I don't know if it was an actual cereal. It's probably line. not. They it's got do. a man in a turban. It's racist. Cereal. Yeah, it's racist. The little sister doesn't know finding the toy. Their nails that spook Jesse because they look almost identical to Friday's nails. I thought that was pretty cool. What a weird price in a cereal box. Nails. Yeah. Sharp nails. (laughs) Jesse mentions that he has to go meet Lisa. And the dad's like, who's Lisa? And he drives off with his Meryl Streep girlfriend. I wonder what young Meryl Streep looks like. Like this. (laughs) We cut to Jesse being at school. He's in gym class. They're Uh, playing softball. Yeah, I asked you at one point if this was gym class or they were on a team. Because the way this coach drills them is like they're on a team. A fight breaks out. Between him and another one of the guys. Meanwhile, Lisa's also getting asked by this other girl, are you getting any from that kid? The character who we later find out is Grady, who I actually thought looked a lot like Jake Ryan from 16 Candles. I thought maybe it was the same actor for a sec, but I don't think so. He pants Jesse so hard, I think he ripped his underwear. Did you see that? Is that the intention of that scene? The sound even comes out. You can hear a terror and his butt cheeks are completely exposed. Okay, because I was going to say, is that how you wear a jock strap? Just no underwear? You just... Well, these boys have a fight. That leads the gym teacher to give them a punishment. They're supposed to hold a plank forever. They're not doing a good job. I also hold planks like this. And they start bonding over having this punishment. Grady basically tells Jesse, oh, you moved into that big white house with the bars on it. And he's like, yeah. You're trying to do something? You're trying to come on to me or something? And Jesse's mad. But he's like, no, dude, I'm just trying to pass the time. He's like, I already beat the crap out of you. No, I'm just trying to have a conversation. He basically tells him that a girl named Nancy lived there. Five years ago, and she saw her boyfriend die across the street. They, they and went never crazy. name her though. 
right? They do. Because they find the diary. But mm-hmm. until then, everybody's like, oh, that's before my time. Oh, yeah, it's just some crazy girl who lived there. They're not actually saying her name. It's only been five years. Why are people acting like they have absolutely no idea who this is? It's I not don't just some crazy girl. think I would know. They're in high school. There's got to be pictures in the but school five yearbook. five years is a lot. I, I wouldn't okay, know look, people five a, years older than me in high school. With a story like this, though, in the newspaper, the whole school, people dying, the whole police station knew. But would the kids know? Because I imagine that the parents would want to keep it away from the kids. Like, they did the killing of Freddy. True. It's just a vicious cycle. Yeah. Just parents always hiding it. It could be. Again, Grady and Jesse bond after beating each other up. We get another scene of Jesse not being able to sleep. He goes to get a late night snack. And sees something outside, so he goes to investigate. I wouldn't have done this. All the way outside. I'd have straight up just gone for what I want and gone back to bed. But well, he... that is not my problem. That is outside. <laughs> yeah, because then he sees that something's on fire through the window. And he sees the back of Freddy's head throwing yeah. stuff into the fire. And then he just backs away. Like, doesn't scream. Doesn't panic. He goes to the basement to go find out what's happening. It's also interesting that he is a male protagonist in this it's often women and they just scream initially right maybe he's like how would a man act or how would i feel like a man is supposed to act during what's happening here whoa that's weird what happened there why'd your laptop turn on i don't know your work laptop just turned on by itself i don't like this (laughs) what the fuck if it starts typing on its own that's when we should freak out should i close it I don't know, but that's weird. Doesn't it require you to hit a button to turn on? I don't like this. <laughs> that's weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I guess we'll just keep recording. It's ready. But so, yeah, this entire time, Jesse's like super calm when he's encountering Freddy. He sees this person in his basement throwing some shit in a boiler, goes downstairs to investigate calmly, sees Freddy, has a conversation. He's like, so you come around here often? It's not until Freddy basically tells him, I need your body. You have the body and I have the brains. He rips off a piece of his head and the brain is pulsing. This is what finally prompts Jesse to start screaming. The practical effects in this film, while some of them are fun and some of them are interesting, are not as great as the first one. I thought this brain peeling effect was cool. You didn't think so? It was interesting. There were some cool effects, but it's definitely not as cool as the first one. I, I don't Are know. You I think you can't all top these to the blood You can't thing? top that one. You can't top the one where Nancy's friend is literally getting slashed while like crawling on the ceiling. That because really I could it. say that in this one there is one other effect that I was like, oh that's kind of interesting and it's when you see Freddy's eye in behind Jesse's throat. That whole coming out of Jesse yeah, scene is cool. That scene and this are probably best ones he wakes up he's hot and sweaty his mom asks him like do you need a doctor and he's like nah dude i'm good nah dude nah bro nah mom dude so it's class the next day he's falling asleep in class i was looking for the typical horror movie thing where the teacher is saying something that's related to what's happening it wasn't related at all (laughs) yeah i was gonna ask you have you ever taken a biology class like this it is super broad he's explaining like every human function i was never taught how we poop in high school. Were you taught how we poop? There was a giant bladder and the, the kids were laughing because he's talking about what farts are. And he literally went from talking about how we poop to like the four chambers in the heart or something. <laughs> I'm like, what? The farts start in the heart. In your heart. <laughs> <laughs> he's falling asleep. There's a snake that starts to appear on his body. I thought this was Freddy playing a trick on him. Turns out that someone put the snake on him or the snake just happened to be on him. Or did Freddy manipulate reality so that it would appear on him? Oof. Him. This was something else I was going to ask you. I don't think I ever had a 
class that had a pet snake in it. And that's in like every high school movie that I've seen from the 90s and 80s. I've never had a class where I dissected anything. So like whether there was a pet snake or even just frogs to dissect, I never ever saw an animal that are alive in, in a class. class. Yeah. You no, know, the reason that I saw it wasn't even part of the curriculum since we went to the same high school. You remember, right? When he started, he proposed dissecting frogs. So if you were in his biology class, you got to do that. I wasn't. And here in CPS, the last couple days of high school are throwaway days where they're like, you have to be here, but we have absolutely nothing for you to do. So we were wandering the hallways and he's like, hey, kids, you want to watch me dissect a frog since you weren't in my class and you didn't get to see it? And that's where he taught us a class. Did he make you guys do it too? No, he did it. There was a lot of us. We Mm. just like watched him. Johnny, when he was in high school, he had to dissect a cat. There's a picture of him where they're taking the skin off the cat. That is some serial killer shit. Yeah. No, thank you. It was in class. It's not like he was doing it for fun. I I mean, I know, but like, (laughs) you know, there's that one kid in class that enjoyed it a little too much. And then... He brought his own cat? Oh my God. I don't like that. So this scene is kind of funny because Grady's like teasing Jesse, but... Jesse's teasing him back. They're obviously flirting right now. He tries to call Lisa to go hang out, but his dad makes him go back and finally unpack the rest of his room. And we get this very suggestive dance from Jesse. It even ends with whatever he was holding. It was like a little confetti popper. Thing. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Like? Pop says he's pretending to jerk off. And at that moment, his mom <laughs> and Lisa walk in. Very embarrassing. Own it. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do after that? So Lisa has showed up to help him unpack. And this is where they find Nancy's diary. Also odd, because I don't imagine that with Nancy having experienced what she did in the first movie, that she would leave something so detailed like this diary. Unless she knew that the next person to live in that house was going to need it. What would make you assume that, though? Because Nancy was, well, I guess because it's the same house in the boiler room. So I guess the house is targeted. But I don't know that Nancy would have thought that far ahead and been like, let me help the next kid. Especially if it's implied that she left because fuck this house. Yeah, or she left in such a hurry that she left it behind. Makes sense. I see that. I guess we'll find out in the third one when she returns. Where's my diary? Freddy 3, where's my diary? (laughs) Essentially, the scene just exists so that we find Nancy's diary. We understand that it's five years later. The next sequence is another dream sequence. Things in Jesse's room are so hot that they start melting. He gets up and goes straight to the boiler room for some reason. He immediately finds his glove in the boiler, picks it up, and we get a flash of Freddy saying, kill for me. He wakes up, but he is holding the glove. The next day, Lisa's at the school and thinks that he's having a psycho connection a psycho to what connection. happened. She's thinking like, maybe he's a medium. Maybe he's like those people that are in those cop dramas that have a connection to the crime scene or some crap. Which would make sense. He is living in the house where all this traumatic stuff happened. She also takes this time to ask him for the diary because she wants to read it. But also we learn that she is having a pool party and they are all invited. Grady and Jesse get caught talking crap about the gym teacher and go blank again. Little details that uh, definitely matter just to solidify the relationship between Jesse and Grady. It is interesting because later when Lisa's like, I really want to help you. He doesn't give a shit about her help and wants Grady to help him. Yeah, that's a very, I feel, obvious scene where he is. Not to say that he doesn't value Lisa as a friend, but like he seeks the comfort of his male friend instead before that happens we get this the scariest freaking scene in the entire movie i hate this scene for those so listening much. we literally press your pages down because it's serious guys this scene this scene they're not even that dangerous they're literally listen just- listen <laughs> this scene literally happened to my literally? family literally a bird caught fire in our house one time are you serious <laughs> almost no 
listen to my story. My sister used to have these parakeets. Meanest little fucks you've ever met in your life. Is this they, the real reason you hate birds? This is the reason I don't like them. They were really mean birds. I don't know if we just got birds that were very aggressive or they're normally like this. They weren't socialized. They weren't socialized. It was like a party. They were actually a gift to my sister from my aunt. It was a party that was going on. These birds were a gift. I don't know how this happened. I'm guessing one of the kids opened the bird cage while everyone was in the kitchen cooking. They escaped and were flying around kind of like this scene. It had like scratched people. The only reason we were able to catch it was because at this family party they were making tamales and the bird had landed on a pile of tamales and everyone freaking out trying to shoo it away from the tamales it like got up to fly with a tamal hooked on its claw so the tamal weighed it down and it couldn't (laughs) fly anymore (laughs) as where my aunt who had given the birds to my sister in the first place grabbed him pretty hard and he bit her finger like really bad like i was a kid so in my mind it was like this bird the end of the world had bitten off my aunt's finger it's stealing <laughs> our tamales like evil it's scratching everybody at the party yeah this is one of the reasons i don't like birds a lot i think it was just the chaos of it flying around and everyone panicking while we had them they would constantly bite and scratch my sister like they were her pets but they did not like her does she like birds you know that's a good question i should ask her this because you hated them as a bystander yeah i was just (laughs) watching the chaos unfold i can't imagine like actually having to be responsible for them we had a lot of traumatic experience with those birds we would leave them outside in the sun you know to get some sun then one time we think a cat tried to attack them but couldn't get to them but like one of them was like really bloodied up oh no so i don't like birds because of (laughs) that the trauma so the scene in this movie is not like this tamal scene in my life freddie basically attacks these birds in their sleep i tried to picture freddie Talking shit to a bird. How do you haunt <laughs> a bird's dream? It's also guiding the birds to the boiler room. Well, it haunts them so much to the point where one scratches Jesse's dad and then it spontaneously combusts. In the next scene, the dad is like... What, do they have rabies? Yeah, like what is happening? They're already like burning up because their AC is quote unquote not working. But I was just like, how do you explain something like that away? The spontaneous combustion of a bird. <laughs> he said it was the cheap seed that she's been buying them. He just freaking <laughs> blew up. He was later just intent on blaming his son for absolutely nothing that he's done. He's like, you did this somehow. You fed them a firecracker or something. And I get wanting to explain things away, but like, why antagonize your son so much? The guy's like, you fed them a cherry bomb. Cherry bombs blow up. Pretty fast. The birds were already asleep in their cage with the cover on. He would have had to have just done it. He would have had to throw it at the bird's mouth midair. (laughs) Also, if let's say he did throw it at the bird to stop it after he had just scratched his face, he saved the dad's life. Yeah, (laughs) clearly it was a vicious bird. Like all of them are. Um, (laughs) hits plates through the window. Oh my god, that scene (laughs) made no sense to me. Because it happens out of nowhere. Does it imply that it's a dream? Yes, Jesse's dreaming because lightning strikes the plates through the window. Through the window. The window does not shatter, but the plates shatter. And he's like, you know what? I need to get out of here. I agree with him. So he starts wandering in the middle of the night and he winds up at this bar. We were kind of going back and forth about what type of bar this is because it seemed like a gay bar. But then he said there was... It's also a dive bar-y. Yeah, there was a lot of women there as well. And it was like... You said that it was also a leather daddy bar. I came to the conclusion that it's a goth 
leather daddy bar. <laughs> I could be wrong. Please tell me what type of bar this We're is. We're not from the 80s. We don't know. You know what I've seen that I think would be fun to go For just kind of see what it's about? Like those vampire bars where they literally dress like vampires. And, Ooh, let's go. Yeah, I would just like want to check that out. It is a very strange scene because he just goes in and asks for a beer. He's having a hard time. He wants to have a drink, but he is a minor. And, and he they has, don't give a shit. Yeah, they, the bartender <laughs> clearly knows, but I feel like this is one of those subtexts of he is confused. He's here trying to figure himself out. I'm going to cut him some slack and give him a beer. I don't think that's good. I don't think <laughs> you should give minors alcohol, even if they are confused. Or the point is that they're just like, I don't give a shit. I don't Go care away. enough. Yeah. yeah, that could be it too. He is about to take a sip of the beer where someone puts their hand on his shoulder. He turns around and it is his awful gym teacher. Creepy. Just super creepy. This scene bothers me so much. More than the bird scene, I would say. Okay? <laughs> you take it back. I take, take it, it back. back. <laughs> this is the scariest scene in the movie. Because this man finds his student at a bar drinking. Near his home. <laughs> I'll have you know. I'll have you know things. <laughs> I don't know what things, but I will have you know them. <laughs> He's also dressed. In that leather daddy style. Yes, very provocative. This man leaves the bar. He is off work. The student should mean nothing to him. Like, how weird are you that, like, in you... the middle of decompressing from work, you're like, I got to go back to my job to discipline this kid for being at the bar. No, you call his parents. Why are you taking him to another location alone I'd where be, you two are the only ones there and making him shower? I'd even understand if it was like one of those things in movies you see that it's like, oh no, I've been found. You know what I'm talking about? Like maybe he doesn't want anybody to know and so he's like, oh shit, maybe I'll punish this kid so he doesn't say I was here. But the teacher approaches him and makes himself known to be here. So he could have easily just tried to avoid him, left the bar Called his parents if he was genuinely concerned about this child. This feels very... One of those teachers that just gets off on... Power push, or... Punishing their kids. Potentially, this dude's a predator. Oh, yeah. For sure. He makes Jesse do laps in the middle of the freaking night when he was at a bar. I don't get it. And then makes him get in the shower when they're the only ones in the building. Creepy stuff starts to happen while Jesse's in the shower. We have... Balls everywhere. Balls, balls flying balls, everywhere. Balls, just balls for and days. And more balls. Yeah, just hitting the guy's face. Yes. That's actually <laughs> what happens. We're not even trying to be funny. No. Yeah, he's in his... A lot of gym equipment just hurts him. This is the first time you see it where it's almost like Jesse can be blamed for what happened. Although Jesse's showering and he's engulfed by the steam of the shower... This is happening elsewhere. The gym teacher then gets ropes wrapped around his wrists and he gets pulled out the office, taken to the shower. No sign of Jesse. His clothes ripped off of him. I literally wrote in my notes, what is happening? <laughs> then my next note is super kinky shower scene. Yeah, because it ties him up to both shower heads and I don't know how you call this, but towel whip to those things that guys do in the shower for some reason where they just wrap it up and then just whip each other hard as hell. His butt cheeks are turning red. Bloody. That's how hard... Freddie is smacking him. You mentioned the steam of the shower when the gym teacher finally turns around to see where Jesse should be. It's no longer Jesse. We now see the silhouette of Freddie coming after him. Freddie just slashes him across the back a couple times and he and dies he immediately. I don't think that would be enough to kill him. I think he would have bled out, but it would have taken a very long time. It depends on how deep he's slashing him, because those blades are pretty long. Yeah, like I understand if he would have like, given him a full-on puncture wound, but he to seems to just something. scratch him on surface level. Maybe he came so hard he died. I don't fucking know. We should probably not leave that in there. <laughs> it's kind of insensitive. Is it? Sensitive to who? You said... He came so hard he died. But he's being murdered. Yeah, so insensitive to who? Predators? I mean, yeah, he is a pedophile. 
potentially. Yeah, so insensitive to who? I don't know who we're defending. To here. people who died while coming. <laughs> <laughs> Autoerotic asphyxiation. That was a whole episode on Bojack. Yeah. What's insensitive about dying while coming? All of it. It's just freaking rude. Why would you do that to someone? So he's killed a predator. You can continue. I thought you were taking over. Oh, I just wanted to say that. <laughs> okay. Just wanted to make that point clear. Out of the steam. Jesse appears and sees the dead body of his teacher. It's almost like Jesse is separate from his arm mm-hmm. because his arm flashes up and it makes that, it's almost like a Wolverine sound. The next scene is his parents' house and his parents answer the doorbell and some cops and they're like, I'd keep an eye on this one. And Jesse is just in a towel and in his underwear. Now that I think about it, going ahead a little bit, I'll come back. The next scene is the people at the school talking about how the teacher got killed because his body was there, blood everywhere. These cops find this kid in the middle of the night Wandering and around don't naked. put two and two together. I thought the exact same thing. The only thing that I feel like, oh, they haven't found the body yet. That's why. They hadn't? They hadn't because he was found wandering not near the body. Oh, at not night. At the but the next morning. The next morning the they found it. There. So It's also the mentality of this kid's out drunk in the middle of the night. They probably catch, I don't know how many teenagers doing the same thing. They drunk and like, wet. Drunken escapades. I like how they bring him home and they're like, is this yours? <laughs> like, it's a piece of property. Also, his parents are like way too chill. Yeah, his, although his dad's a dick, his dad's just like, look, you know what? Before you go to bed, just answer two questions. Just two questions. What do you want and who's giving it to you? Because I fucking want some. No, she truly it needs seems it. lit. <laughs> I don't know. It's a really weird interaction. My parents wouldn't have cared if the police brought me home. They would have murdered me in front of them in cold oh, blood. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they would have not been this chill. No, because I think that in our culture, it's embarrassing. It's a thing of like, what are the people going to say if they see... The cops bring my kid to my house. Now they think I have a good-for-nothing son, mm-hmm. daughter, or whatever. So many things. Yeah. You're out running naked in the woods. like I mean, the suburbs, not the woods. but <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. And all he says is that he wants to go to his bed, and his mom's like, okay. I'm telling you, my mom would have been like, oh, now you want to go to sleep? You should have been asleep before you even decided to do all this. <laughs> I'm going to put you to sleep I'm going to put you to sleep. Oh, my God. One time. When I was like a rebellious teenager. Oh, you were so rebellious. So rebellious. Oh, my God. Um, who could stop you i know i dyed my hair pink i did the lame half pink like i didn't even go full pink so rebellious so rebellious the epitome of rebellion my mom did not talk to me for like three days i had posted it on facebook and my mom she didn't talk to me for three days i I wrote a post like it's pink my friend just had commented oh you should have done purple in your hair my mom commented she's about to be purple (laughs) on facebook for the world to see (laughs) She hadn't spoken to me for three days at this point. Damn. <laughs> so my mom definitely would not have been this calm. Holy crap. She was more mad about your tattoo though, right? When oh. you were rebellious at your ripe old age of 26. Yeah, she didn't talk to me for like a week. It's the perk of being the oldest child. It really is because I was on the phone with her the other day. My sister had gone a new piercing, but she went to a tattoo and piercing shop. So she found her receipt. She's literally on the phone with me. She's like, huh. Your sister get a tattoo? Oh no, it's a piercing. Anyway, I was like, <laughs> you didn't talk to me for a week. It's like that thing of where you do the crazy stuff and then your parents don't care anymore and well, the younger siblings get away with it. So the mom seems to be the one who has the closer relationship with Jesse because she's the one who keeps saying like, we need to take you to get help. We need you to see a therapist, like see somebody, a doctor, just so we can help you. He's like, no, leave me alone. And he drives to school. Meanwhile, the mom and dad stay behind talking about Jesse's state. And the dad's like, no, he doesn't need a psychiatrist. He just needs to get his ass kicked. Very typical 80s dad response. Yeah. At this point, we're about 40 minutes into the film, and there isn't that many scenes of Freddy. There's mm. been a couple hints, 
The most we've seen of him is this murder shower scene. But up until now, he hasn't been explicitly seen. It's still kind of a, is Jesse going crazy or is this really happening? Until the cops, <laughs> you think this I works? I would say that the first one also was about the same. Although Freddy's kills might have been more gruesome, that doesn't mean that they were necessarily with Freddy in sight. It wasn't until the end of the first one that you really see Freddy in full fledge. Glenn gets killed by off-screen Freddy. The girl at the beginning gets killed by an invisible Freddy. But in the, her around. dream is where she sees Freddy. Freddy literally chasing her and cutting himself open. You see him already. One time, you can put the equivalent to this shower scene. You see Freddy there in the shower, slashing the guy. (laughs) I'd say that you see him about as much as in the first one. All right, fair enough. The police are investigating them. They have found the body of the gym teacher at this point. Right after the investigation scene, it's Jesse waking up again. From another nightmare. From another nightmare. And he finds Freddy's glove in his drawer he wakes up, goes to his sister's room, and she's singing the classic Freddy song. And jump, is it jump her, in. or is he having a flashback to the ghost girls in the first movie? It makes sense because it is his sister that he is stalking. But I just wrote a note. Oh yes, this is the room where we keep the creepy ghost children. Closes <laughs> door. It's kind of like a classic haunted house vibe at this point he basically confronts his dad and was like what happened to the people who lived here five years ago why was this house off the market like hard to sell didn't they disclose this to you and he's like yeah they did how do you think we got such a good deal on it and the mom's like what there's nothing wrong with that okay you've talked about did you see that the girl who currently lives in the conjuring house they are selling the house because she's scared or because Um, she just wants to go home i don't know her and her parents her parents are paranormal investigators and they're the ones who purchased the house. They're now selling it. I, I didn't really get a chance to watch her video, but she seemed very upset about leaving because it seems like they genuinely like the paranormal investigation that they but do who, there. Well, then who's moving them? I don't know. I don't know why they're moving. Again, I didn't the get to... The ghost signed a restraining order against them. Oh. Huh. <laughs> no, it reminded me of this other movie I saw. It's called I Am the Pretty Thing That Died Here. And basically the protagonist is the first owner of the house and she gets murdered in the house. And she's basically saying she owns that house. She will never leave that house. Everyone who comes in and lives afterwards is just runting, basically. So Beetlejuice. Yes. <laughs> Except Beetlejuice was more fun to watch. I would do that. I see you and me trying to haunt people. In Being the bad life. at it. What? I'm trying to think, like, how would I haunt the living? I would just whisper existential dread. What are you doing with your life? You're 40 years old and you're still living here. Get your ass up. Wake up. Why are you eating that? It's bad for you. Take the coffee out when they're trying to put it in. Turn their toilets black. <laughs> That's what's happening. Oh my god, that's what's <laughs> happening in this house right now. Yeah. Huh. Very mundane little ghost things. I think the fear of everyday life's enough. At the same time that the dad's like, yeah, how do you think I got a good deal? The toaster bursts into flames. The dad goes over to it and then he's like, Margaret, I don't even know her name, but Margaret, <laughs> Margaret seems like a wife name in the 80s. I don't know. That is a broad statement to make about people <laughs> named Margaret. Am I wrong? You're going to tell me that I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah. So he goes to so his he, wife. He's looking at the toaster on fire and then he grabs the cable and is like, Margaret, look, it's not plugged in. Look. This is 10 out of 10 acting on your part. That's exactly how he reacted. (laughs) Yeah, it was like, what? I know. I saw it too. It's insane. I don't know what to do. You're the one who's trying to make it practical and saying that it's the damn AC. The AC didn't light the toaster on fire, Fred. Frank. Hank. 
What did I say? Richard? Richard. I don't know what the dad's name is either. Margaret. Also Margaret. <laughs> Jesse kind of storms off angrily. He can't deal with his family anymore. We get this very strange like backstory sequence that I guess, sure, if you're coming to see this movie without seeing the first one, you need to know that Fred killed 20 kids in a power plant. They drive to this power plant so that Lisa can be like, this is where he brought all his victims, which I thought was odd because it really just focuses on a boiler room in the first film and now it's like a whole power plant where he worked yeah power plant decrepit place i felt like this was a waste of time in the movie because then nothing actually even happens they find that cabinet and then there's like a very suspenseful what's in the cabinet moment but it's just mice and then they go home and that's it you just needed that backstory it comes into play later because this is but where the does final it though showdown happens they could have just ended up here and you yeah, yeah they just needed another location we have another scene of jesse having a dream where he is possessed by Freddy. In this one, he is in his sister's room telling her to wake up. And when she does, she's kind of like, what's happening? And it's no longer Freddy, it's Jesse. And he's like, it's late, go back to sleep. Jesse's spooked. He's like, I almost killed my sister. He's spooked and he's at the lunch table. And again, this girl who is Lisa's friend keeps talking about the party and is like, are you going? Grady's sitting next to him, scarfing down all of his food and makes this weird ass comment about, I can't go to the party because I'm grounded. Why? Well, because I threw my grandma down the stairs and everyone's just like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 that makes sense. What? Psycho killer. Yeah, Grady's insane. Like you said, all you could focus on is that he's eating super nasty and then he's like, yeah, I like, almost killed my grandma. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, Want me to shut up? Out. He's like, all right, I'll leave. But he's like offended that Jesse told him to shut up. Because he's the only person I feel like he really cares about. His only friend. Yeah. It's funny because they started off with this real like new kid bully dynamic in the beginning. What is this trope? Like enemies to lovers trope? It's probably not the name of. It's probably something more complex. But it's something we see a lot in like romantic comedies. I have a real problem with this trope in general. It's like the idea of your abuser actually loves you. Like, no, you shouldn't accept people being a dick to you because they have a crush on you. Like That is weird. I've never been cool with anybody who was ever an asshole to me. Except your wife. Except my wife, because I had to put a ring on it. She bullied me in a marriage. Yes, aren't you miserable? <laughs> Looks away. An existential crisis. <laughs> Are the ghosts whispering? They're like, why'd you get married? She says she hates that trope, but it's what she did to you. Get out while you still can. I want to go turn on the laptop again. <laughs> Oh no, that's what it was. Okay, we finally get to the Lisa's having a pool party scene. Lisa's parents are there initially. They leave to let them have unsupervised fun, which again, what the fuck? My parents (laughs) would never do this. They would never leave a bunch of teenagers to their own free will. No, and then the teenagers are like waiting for the lights to turn off because that's when the parents went to sleep. But then they are like, yeah, let's blast the music. Yeah, it's not going to wake them up at all. No. Um, Well, the dad does complain. He's like, what the hell are those kids doing out there? And the mom's like, come on, they're just kids. Let them be. She is like trying to seduce him. She's like, don't worry about it. Let's worry about us. Meanwhile, their daughter is having a very tense conversation with Jesse. She keeps trying to ask him like, what's wrong? If he's okay, he won't open up to her. And we get this very awkward teenage makeout scene between them. Freddy's tongue comes out of Jesse's mouth. And this is the subtext of that. Like he's maybe not actually into this and would actually rather go to Grady for not both emotional help, but also just support in a romantic way. Yes. It's like that thing of when you're upset, one of the people you probably want to go to is your partner. And he probably doesn't see Lisa that way. 
but he sees Grady that way. This tongue scene is so gross. It is a really <laughs> nasty long tongue scene, but classic Freddy, you know. Equivalent to the tongue The tongue, tongue scene, yeah. yeah. But he leaves Lisa behind with absolutely no explanation for why he abruptly stopped making out. And, like, I would be so offended and, like, upset if this happened. He feels like he can't confide in Lisa. But, like, it's strange because she's the one that, like, actively knows what's happening. She's the one who's read Nancy's diary. So instead, Jesse turns to Grady for help. He basically tells him, this is what's happening to me. Grady does not believe him. And he just says, well... Stay up. If I start to act really weird while I'm sleeping, you know, wake me up, shake me out of it. Similar to the scene where Glenn literally falls asleep (laughs) five minutes after Nancy says this. Grady at least looks like he's been trying to stay up watching TV for a minute. And then he's like, nothing's happening. You're passed out. friend's delusional. I'm just going to go to sleep. Literally the second he goes to sleep is when Jesse starts freaking out himself. When Jesse feels Freddy coming, it's like he's got to let out a really hard fart. It's like his stomach hurts <laughs> so bad. Grady wakes up because he starts to see that Jesse is screaming in pain because his hand starts to break open. Freddy's glove comes out of Jesse's hand. Jesse opens his mouth, and this is what you were talking about earlier, the eyeball mm-hmm. at the back of his throat. Grady is freaking the hell out. He goes to the door, and he starts calling out for his dad. He can't get out. The door is locked. Meanwhile... Jesse is ripping apart with Freddy just coming out of his stomach. His face is through his belly. It's yeah. like the shell of Jesse is left behind while Freddy stands up. I wrote down in my notes that Jesse alien style births Freddy. <laughs> yeah. And this is obvious, like a very on the nose metaphor of coming out mm-hmm. your inner demons. That's how people perceived being gay is like an inner demon mm-hmm. at the time. It's very on the nose symbolism. I think it also speaks to the fear of potentially coming out to someone and they not oh, being the same. Excellent. It's almost like you kill that friendship with them. There's a lot of ways I think that it can be interpreted. Okay. Yeah, because I was thinking like if it's supposed to imply that coming out killed your partner, that sounds... Homophobic. Yeah. After having killed Grady, he literally reverts back to his normal self and jumps out the window as Grady's parents are coming into the room. Because I He's thought they were going to catch him. Yeah. He shows up back at Lisa's after having ditched her already, covered in blood. And she's kind of like, what's going on? You're a good person. Don't worry. And I was like, lady, he is literally covered in his friend's blood. Yeah. She loves him that much. She doesn't care she's who she's willing she, who to look over his murderous tendencies. That's how much she loves him. This is where the pool party is starting to get a little chaotic. The water starts to boil up. Yes. And we get weenies exploding and beers popping off. And I was like, this is all very phallic. <laughs> Freddy's supposed to be one of those like super sexual murder type monsters. There is a debate about Freddy that we probably won't get into until later. The first few movies, it's just that Freddy is a child killer. That's all his motive is. But then later on, they added the subtext of he is a molester predator, which people do not enjoy. And I haven't seen the other films, so I don't know how I would feel about it. I'm partial to what we've seen so far where he is literally chaos for the sake of chaos. I don't know how I would feel about that subtext. It's triggering. There's a lot of debate too. Like does adding that plot point really benefit any part of the Mm -hmm. story? Like he's already evil. I don't know. Again, this is probably a debate for later movies when that 
plot point is revealed. So the kids are starting to notice this weird stuff is happening at the party. Meanwhile, Lisa is trying to tell Jesse, like, no, it's probably in your head. She doesn't believe him, but again, he's covered in blood. Like, he's saying, I killed them. I did it. He's I like, know Girl, for a fact. I know I'm Here's toxic. the glove. I will show you. I did it. <laughs> She's like, we are giving him the energy to come back. You have the power to send him back. You gave him the energy. That's why he's here. And that's a very common Pretty. thing that we saw with Nancy that moment where she realizes like we give him the power by being afraid of him so jesse's like he's coming and he starts to go back into that like stomach hurting mode lisa notices that the windows are closing and everything starts to lock up so they're getting trapped jesse is suddenly freddy right mm-hmm. there's no like transition period like we saw with grady it's just he's jesse and then suddenly he's Freddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's trying to go out the window she's trying to open the door she's backing away she's crying she's screaming there's this real weird battle where freddy and jesse are kind of the same where freddy's like he's not here he's dead but then jesse's voice comes out and it's like kill me please kill me lisa she doesn't know if it's a trick she doesn't know if it's freddy he also bites her in the leg like a zombie she fights him back she does put a pretty good fight up against him it's not like she's completely a damsel in distress she's she is fighting back i would say a final girl mm-hmm, for sure she grabs the knife and she does these really dainty tiny stabs that would do nothing freddy's like that all you get yeah basically <laughs> i didn't understand this effect what effect he leaves her and jumps out and starts fighting the kids outside. <laughs> well, well, no, he he crashes through the glass window and it shows him crashing through it and then he disappears. Like he's invisible all of a sudden. I, to... I really hate this effect. He <laughs> broke their window for no reason. Least of their problems. There's literally a bunch of dying kids what everywhere. What's funny is that He's just like, you know, fuck this. The party's outside. You're being a buzzkill, Lisa. Yeah, it's kind of like a weird jump cut where we don't see exactly why they kind of stop fighting. He just... And why he decides to go start killing everybody outside. Yeah. Tons of kids are panicking. I wonder if a stunt double did this or Robert himself did the jumping out It was probably like a trampoline. Because I was about to say, dang, that's some impressive leg strength. He doesn't even fold. He's straight like lands on Which it. I argue is harder on your body. <laughs> he hasn't been seen that much. Much. Again, he disappeared halfway through his entrance. Is this out of character? Sure, it's the first time we see him outside of the dream world. But I thought his thing was that he just makes sure that people don't know he exists and just makes people think that the person affected is crazy. And this one, he's just like, fuck it, I'm gonna go kill everybody in broad. It is very out of character. Daylight. Not what you expect from this character, at least having watched the first movie. I don't like this. I think it's one of those scenes where I'm like, I don't feel like this is classic Freddy. Maybe he has haunted each of these kids' dreams, but it doesn't seem like it because one kid confronts him. And it's like, look, man, if you need help, I'm, I'm here. I got you. And Freddy's like, help yourself, fucker. Yeah. <laughs> and is like, that yes. your favorite line? It is my favorite line. Because <laughs> this has happened to me. Eric's been Freddy in this scene. <laughs> Not with the murder part, though. He didn't murder anybody. People's necks are getting stepped on the parents again are upstairs thinking that they're all having a blast outside but he's like wait no that's not a party so he sees that freddy's out there just killing people meanwhile the entire perimeter is also on fire they really play up the burnt alive part in this film so, you don't get that line you are all my children why does he mean like you're all mine because i'm gonna kill you because he's been in their dreams it's just a very odd line you're all my children other than like i'm gonna you. kill you yeah that's <laughs> the only reason i would think he'd say that the dad does come out and he finally shoots at freddie and freddie is kind of spooked he's like well i'll see you guys later and then just leaves again very out of character lisa's like where's jesse i have to go to him 
bear in mind, a lot of her high school peers have just died at her house, at her party, and her parents had to shoot someone to get them off the property, and she's just running away. Again, if she was Hispanic, she would be getting her ass handed to her by her parents. It's all that old school parenting. She goes straight to the power plant. When she gets there, these dogs have like no reason to exist other than to be weird and creepy. To be creepy, yeah. <laughs> Were they wearing baby faces? It looked like a baby mask. It looked like the baby mask from Happy, Happy Death, Death Day. Day. That's <laughs> exactly what I was thinking the entire time. I was like, how did they get these dogs to wear this? I was immediately thinking, like, we should put this on Loki. He would not leave it Halloween. on. Well, I was thinking more like a hat on the back of his head or something so that he can't get to it and chew on it. But mm-hmm. they don't even attack her. She no, just, she just walks, walks past, past them. them. I think you're supposed to gather that she's like, Freddy's not real. All this stuff is in your head. The more you give him fear, the worse it is. Because then we also get a scene of ants crawling in her bite wound where freddy had bit her very zombie-esque maybe we're just still thinking about zombies from last month post post zombie (laughs) she also sees this like monster cat eat this mouse there's a lot of animals in this the birds the dogs the cat and mouse game maybe their point was to say like freddy doesn't just stop at humans maybe you know like to me that was a cool effect but it's not really explored too much up with exploding birds i wouldn't say that it's a scary scene we get this final sequence that i find very odd it is lisa confronting freddy she makes out with him lisa's like i love you freddy's like he's dead he's not here he's like annoyed by i love you and he's like but he's dead though yeah i don't buy that they love each other no at all Um, also they're teenagers they're teenagers first of all and then second of all he clearly preferred grady's company over yours this dude has done nothing but lie to you avoid you and then ditch you in the middle of making out why do you love him (laughs) freddie is super uncomfortable with someone kissing him for someone who literally tongues people all the time without consent he's not into it when it's consensual (laughs) maybe i'm reading too much into it but maybe he was a troubled kid himself never got love and so the moment he was shown affection himself it freaked him out that is not okay this is killing my vibe it's still gross for some reason making out causes a fire it's the fire within within (laughs) that only lisa is feeling and spreading this is apparently enough to burn freddie again and from the ashes (laughs) of a burnt corpse Jesse is straight now arises as a phoenix reborn as a heterosexual man allegedly right I'm trying to go back to like the thought that this is the subtext underneath what did this mean killing his <sighs> actual love interest if he is gay and loved Grady having Lisa be the one who saves him right being reborn and then ending up with Lisa anyway it's it, like the love of a woman will set you free conversion therapy type mentality yeah or I was also thinking like the thing is like he's still a teenager he doesn't know and he's still figuring himself out it's conflicting right like it's straight <laughs> man trying to tell a gay story is it isn't it the screenwriter might have been a gay man let's check david chaskin yes there was certainly some intentional subtext but it was intended to play homophobic rather than homoerotic so i see that i see the homophobic piece not the homoerotic piece i thought about the demographics for these types of films and tried to imagine what kinds of things would truly frighten them to the core and scary dreams that make them even momentarily question their own sexuality seem like a slam dunk to me huh so that sounds more like it's using homosexuality to the advantage of horror versus 
an allegory to defend it. Interesting, because I would say he failed immensely. Till the end. <laughs> the end is weird. One might argue that the entire movie is a metaphor. Jesse is, in the end, finally able to control the monster inside him with the love of a good woman. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. Jack Shoulder says he read no such subtext in the script. So even the director didn't plan on that. Being <sighs> that's upsetting. I would just prefer them to say, like, hell yeah, we made an awesome queer movie. Yeah. If we leave any of this in the show, it's this is me just reading, like, an article or two. So I mean, not... I think it's good information to have. Okay. I am going to watch Scream Queen after this and see how the actor... I will do. ...interpreted. With you. Okay, cool. <laughs> we'll watch that. But we get the final sequence of the movie. It appears to be the next day after this traumatic showdown has happened. Jesse and Lisa have proclaimed their love for each other. Forced, not real, teenage love. <laughs> I mean, I would have fell in love with Meryl Streep, too. I think everybody loves Meryl Streep. Everybody loves Who Meryl Streep. Who hates her? <laughs> yeah. What is wrong with you? But this... End of the film sequence is very reminiscent of the first Nightmare on Elm where things are too picture perfect. The sky's too bright, foggy. Like, it's very clearly... You see it coming. It's the same exact scene from the beginning. It's almost like a full circle. It is. He gets on the bus to meet Lisa. Lisa's friend is sitting behind them and basically says, Great party! Lisa (laughs) is literally like... Oh, let's not talk about it. Like, oh my God, it's so embarrassing that everyone died at my party. Let's not even talk about it. It's just embarrassing. That's the vibe. Yeah, she what the off. fuck? Yeah, I know. I wouldn't say that. She's like, let's not talk about it. No, go to therapy and talk about it extensively, please. You're not going to school on Monday, first of all. <laughs> or for or... probably a couple weeks. The bus is speeding up and speeding up. And Jesse's freaking out. He's like, this bus is going too fast. Is anyone noticed? Lisa's like, no, it's fine. Everything's going to be okay. Her friend repeats, it's fine. It's going to be okay. It's all over. As she says that, a claw comes out from her stomach. They really liked the alien theme in this film. Yeah, the bus goes back into that desert from the beginning. And it's Freddy laughing. Roll credits. Good stuff. That was a wild ride. Yeah. What do you think about it? Well, do we debate? What are we debating? You were saying that he's Freddier. Freddier Freddier is more Freddy in this movie. I would disagree. (laughs) Why would you say I would disagree as well. We've been hyping up that we're going to debate this whole episode. Now you got to stick to your guns. I'm going to say why I thought so. The fact that Freddy comes out into the real world and can do what he does and bring his magic to just anywhere. I could see why the dream world would also be the more frightening place because then you have no escape. But then he's only killing like one person at a time. I would argue it is more scary to believe that something is deadly wrong, but you are the only one that sees it and you're being made out to be crazy because you are truly alone. I feel like this movie deals obviously more with the themes of Freddy is his inner demon. He's possessing a body that's also very new. He's never needed a body before. Why does he need Jesse's? It just doesn't make sense. I saw reviews that this film is considered the black sheep of like, this series. Is it the only one where he comes to the real world? I'm not sure. I feel like the director not liking the first Nightmare on Elm definitely translates on this film because I feel like he tries to make it more of a psychological thriller where Jesse's more fighting himself where Nancy very clearly the danger was like to her friends and to her and like nobody believed her. I think there was also more meat to the story with it being Nancy and that her mom was directly involved in what had happened to Freddy. The name being Freddy's Revenge. I don't know where the revenge piece comes in. Exactly. Because it's like is it revenge against like kids? Revenge against the parents? None of these people seem to know who Freddy was. Absolutely. And just the kills in general were better in the first yes there was creepier (laughs) elements i believe i don't want to say that this is a bad movie because i think it would be pretty good if it was not part of this franchise i just don't feel like it's true to the character of freddy that being said i'm glad it exists 
I think it's a good commentary on like LGBTQ at the time and how they potentially still feel. Did I win? Us talking Discussing about it more movie? changed my mind, yeah. Gotcha. So what would you rate it? I would give it a six. Okay. It wasn't horrible. It was watchable. Like, but it's not like... It's got important themes. Amazing. But it's not a scary Freddy a seven, generously, just because I liked that this movie took on themes that probably weren't being discussed at the time. Even though it did it accidentally. Apparently they were trying to be homophobes, not allies. And how the hard part is knowing whether they're being truthful or not. The guy's like, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't even know that the director even knew that that was a thing and didn't actually identify that as an intent. It reminds me of George A. Romero being like, I didn't intend for this film to be a racial commentary, but you You very clearly did. (laughs) I don't like that. But overall, for it to be racial commentary, yet I killed the only black character and had Hicks do it and then had them literally lynching style gruesome. We already covered that movie. Yeah. We're talking about Freddy's revenge against nobody, apparently. (laughs) But any final comments or do you just want to talk about what Loki did not like? No, I mean, I'd like to hear what people have to say. Did we make a good point? Did we not know what we're talking about? completely miss the mark? Let us know. (laughs) Yeah, send us a message. I'm interested to see how the rest of the series pans out. I wonder if it steps back. Because if Nancy's revisited, or does it just pretend the second one doesn't exist? Could be, because there's a couple franchises like that, right? I feel like actually that's kind of what happened with the Star Wars movies, where it was one director going in one vision, and then the director that did the second was like, no, 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 disregard everything. That means nothing. But then the third one, he's like, now I got to rebuild all the shit I was trying to do in the first one to give you a finale. That sucks. (laughs) Yeah, it really does. I guess we'll see since the rest of the month is going to be slasher sequels how other films did this if they did it better they did it worse let's talk about what scared loki <laughs> he hated freddy's laugh he hated it so I much was so surprised because he usually gets triggered by like he didn't even do this weird sounds no <laughs> he just really did not like it i think it's because freddy was laughing for so long at the end it's just a constant ha ha from freddy that he was probably like, what is that? Maybe it didn't register anymore. There's a that stranger it was a in the house. Yeah. Oh, man. You wanted to tell us about it, Loki? Sorry to hear that, bud, because we're going to watch a lot of these movies. I'm going to make it my ringtone and see if he does the same oh, thing. Oh, no. <laughs> he's done it before where you hear certain laughs on TV and he starts to get spooked and plus his choice of him. I'm like, what do you hate laughter, man? Be happy. <gasps> Maybe he feels like someone's coming into the house. Does it say more about us that he's like, I hate laughter? I don't know. Stop it. <laughs> I feel like I laugh at him all the time because he does the most ridiculous stuff. Maybe that is why he hates laughter. Because we laugh at him all You're the time. You're mocking me. <laughs> he's a funny dude. To be fair, we don't like mock him and no, he's make just fun of him. He does the funniest thing. Yeah. I'm going to show you how he walks backwards. But is that pretty much it for us here? It is. This is Freddy's Revenge. Try this drink. His face tastes amazing. Love that. All right. As always, we hope you guys had a good time here with us. You can follow us pretty much anywhere at Shaken Not Scared Pod, except Twitter. Twitter is Shaken Scared Pod. You can send us an email at shakennotscaredpod at gmail.com. We love you guys. You guys have been following us on everything, listening to us for a long time. We've passed 1,500 downloads. We've passed 500 followers on Instagram. We've got more than 1,000 followers on Twitter. Keep it coming. We really appreciate you guys supporting us and showing us love. But you can support the show even further on Patreon. We'll name our next drink after you with mentions on our website page, where the drink page will live forever. We're also working on other things to start putting on there so keep an eye out for that you can listen to us on all your favorite podcasting sites apple Podcasts, spotify google stitcher a bunch of others give us a listen give us a follow throw a little key a treat halloween season's in full fledged so you know what that means plenty of dog treats to send loki so 
pumpkin ones. Pumpkin ones, specifically. Or if you can't support us on Patreon, which is totally fine, please just rate, review, subscribe to us on anything you see anywhere you get your podcast. And yeah, get ready for spooky season. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.